Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is a show for Thursday, August 31st. It's an Adelphi Ownership Experience special. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatel, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, actually getting me to leave Saratoga. That's how uh, interesting some of these Kentucky Downs races are. I'll be back this weekend, though, and joining us, I think, from Saratoga right now, a man who uh, pulls some of the strings, calls some of the shots at Adelphi Racing, Matt Kater. Matt, how are things? Hey, what's up, Pete? I'm jealous you're uh, you're at Kentucky Downs. I still have never been. And uh, I actually was considering going this year because we uh, we had a filly, actually, that we're going to talk about in a little bit that's running in a stake at Monmouth. We were... Uh, we were toying back and forth between that race and a race at Kentucky Downs on the seventh. So I, I thought I might have had a chance to go home from Saratoga and fly right out to Nashville, but uh, <laughs> I'll have to wait another year. I think one thing that this place does—not to go on a tangent right away—but let's tangent away. One thing that this place doesn't do enough. You know, I feel like they almost market themselves like with the track in the middle of nowhere. Not at all. Half an hour from Nashville, one of the great tourist destinations in the U.S. I, I think they should market it, and especially with the days between um, races, too. You know, it's not like they run consecutively. It's a very good opportunity to check out a really, really cool place. I look forward uh, to heading downtown later for some uh, some some really good beer and some uh, some hot chicken sandwiches. But let's talk Saratoga, and uh, and well, actually, before we talk Saratoga, let's talk more generally about Adelphi. I've just had. It's been a, it's obviously been a checkered summer in many ways up here, but the opportunity that I've had um, three times now, twice with Adelphi, to go to the paddock in Saratoga with a horse in, it's really special. It's one of those things for me that's worth more than money. And you can see why people want to get involved in horse racing, not because it's some investment that's going to make you rich, because but because it provides enriching life experiences. And I just want to, you know, thank you for letting me be part of the team here and and the, the, the fun that we've had this summer. And even when it doesn't work out, like that last Gem Mint 10 race, it I really want to just commend you on the level of communication before, during, really, and after the races about everything going on with the runners. It really does, you really, like, can't help but learn something about racing, even about handicapping, just from the peak that you give everybody in the club behind the curtain. I, I don't know. I mean, I know that's got to be a ton of extra work for you, and it's not something that every managing partner does, but you do a fantastic job with it, my friend. I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do when we started Adelphi was, um, you know, to try to make it more of a partnership experience and less of a, you know, a syndicate or investment, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, thinking outside of the horse racing industry, you know, you can invest in a lot of things and, and, you know, racehorses, I wouldn't categorize as an investment investment because they're fun. And, um, you know, the chances of making money is not, you know, not at the top of the list of things that you could put your money into, but, you know, a lot of times with investments, you know, you put some money in and, you know, maybe every quarter you get a, you know, an update on here's what's going on and, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And I found that, you know, sometimes with horse racing, you know, syndicates that, um, you know, they, they were run in a very similar way, you know, like, uh, you know, you get an email once a week, here's what's going on or every couple of weeks. And, you know, you come and see your horse race and that's about it. And, you know, my, my thing about, you know, the experience is, you know, at least give people sort of the, the understanding of what's going on behind the scenes, be transparent about it. Um, let people ask a bunch of questions and, you know, try to over communicate, you know, more than anything. Um, just because, 
you know, I, I actually, I spent some time with a partner this morning at the, at the barns and, you know, he made an offhand comment, um, you know, that for him, like the biggest thing is about seeing the behind the scenes and seeing how it all works and, you know, meeting the exercise riders and understanding how the horses train every day and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, the races are fun, but you know, what he was most interested in getting involved with by owning horses was, you know, understanding how everything was going on and being, you know, immersed in that. And so I try to try to bring everybody into, um, you know, the, the backside and what's going on with the horses and the day-to-day stuff as much as I possibly can. So I appreciate you, uh, you saying that. I think strictly from a handicapping point of view, it's also been really helpful. I mean, even the conversation we were just having off air about the upcoming condition book, it can really help you understand why horses are in certain races and help you upgrade or downgrade their chances on that day because of being able to get that that peek behind the curtain. Oh, they're they're running in this race because there wasn't another race. It's not some tremendous vote of confidence. Or, hey, they're running in this lesser spot when they could have run in this more ambitious spot. That's actually a vote of no confidence. What is that? Does that mean something? It's no, it's not like, oh my gosh, you're going to absolutely learn things that are definitely going to make you money, but it helps you understand the overall process in a way I really believe has made me a better, a better horse player just in the year or so we've been working together. Have you gotten that kind of feedback from other partners? Does that, is that something that you uh, see as well? Yeah, no, for for sure. I, I, even just looking at my own handicapping, you know, in the years since I've owned horses and then you know, in, in more recent years where I've been more and more involved directly, um, you know, there's definitely things that you pick up on through that part of the experience um, that you can apply, you know, to handicapping horses. And like you said, why is this horse in this spot versus that spot, all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, I, 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 my handicapping has definitely gotten better. Un- unfortunately for me, my betting hasn't gotten better, but, uh, but, I, but I feel like I know more going in. I just need to figure out how to, uh, how to bet that correctly, but that's, uh, that's what, you know, people like you and JK are good at. So that's why I listen to the podcast. Well, that's right. awesome. We try, we, we, we try our best. This meet has been, uh, has been a bit of a mixed bag as far as the, as far as the wagering goes. But speaking of wagering, let's take a look at a couple of the Adelphi, more than a couple, four of the Adelphi races coming up this weekend. We'll start with Friday at Saratoga in, uh, you're in the very first race, aren't you? This two-year-old maiden special. Yeah. And so actually this is a good, a good, uh, this dovetails nicely off of what we just talked about. So we have a New York bred who's making his second start, a two-year-old, um, and we're running in the open company made in special weight, um, tomorrow, Friday, uh, at Saratoga. And, um, you know, just to kind of give you some background on that, you know, people might look at the form and be like, well, why is a New York bred running against open company in here? And, um, you know, it's pretty simple. The horse ran back on the 27th of July. He ran really well. He was like 31 to one that day and, and ran a nice second. I thought he did everything but win, you know, he lost to a horse that had a couple of races under his belt already and had run well. Um, and we, you know, we were really excited to run this horse back, you know, in the same race, a New York bred, you know, uh, maiden special sprinting on the turf. And, um, you know, we entered for that race last week and, uh, unfortunately he got excluded. He was the 11th of 11 horses entered. Um, and you know, the body of the field one through 10 stayed in, so we didn't get into the race. And so, you know, we were sitting here in a situation where, uh, we could enter him back for a New York bred maiden special weight, um, at the end of the meet here. So in a, in a few days, um, but, you know, just knowing that the race went a week ago and knowing that we were the only horse that entered that didn't get in at that point, um, and that all other 10 had already run last week, you know, we just thought that the chances of that race going 
at the end of this meet were small. Uh, and they didn't write the race back until October 1st at Aqueduct. So, you know, from our perspective, if we wanted to run this horse, uh, you know, at any point before October 1, perhaps, uh, we had to enter, you know, in open company. And so that's why we did what we did. Now, the horse has done really well uh, out of his uh, debut race. And, and you see this sometimes with younger horses, you know, some of them run and then you really notice an appreciable difference in their training after that. And hard part had always been a good horse in the morning. It just seems to, you know, that that proverbial light bulb has gone on angle um, seems to apply to him. He just uh, has really worked well out of the race. And so, you know, we didn't want to, you know, not run a horse that was in good form. And uh, so we, you know, decided to take a shot here in this open maiden special weight race. And the fact that, you know, you get a bonus at this meet, if you're a New York bred running in these open company races, he's running for about $50,000 more than the New York bred purse. You know, so we're hoping that, you know, he can acquit himself well. We think he'll improve off of his debut. And if he does that, you know, and nobody in here runs a, a, a huge race, uh, maybe he has a shot to to win it. And, um, you know, certainly we think he has a chance to hit the board. And, you know, with 50000 and extra purse earnings there for him as a New York bred, we thought it made a chance, uh, made sense to take a shot. Definitely. And it's not like you're far behind on figures at all from the, the, the horses that are going to be, uh, you know, uh, catching catching money in this spot, you know, like Reverend Moon. I mean, depending on what figures you look at, you're very close. And Hard Par's running line, this is just a, a handicapping thing I I love to see. And I, I think maybe we'll call it what you what you th- that term light bulb that you used, I think, is really is really strong. You see these horses that just kind of. I want to see them sort of staying on, getting closer at the end in their first race without the benefit of a setup. This isn't, you know, if it's all red fractions on Timeform US and you see a horse passing horses late, that doesn't mean as much to me as looking at what Hard Par did, where every pace figure in the race on Timeform gets gets uh, faster along the way. Clearly not much expected with the 31 to 1. This is not a horse that was like cranked up to win. These are the kind of horses I think very often you can count on significant improvement second time out. And, and so I think that's that's interesting. And I like what you said about the, the then the training improves, too, after the race. I don't know. If you're just looking at the raw work tab of hard par, can you do you see that improvement? Or is that something you more know from being an insider and, and watching the works yourself? Or is there a way a, a handicapper horse player might be able to just see it on the page? I think I think it's kind of more, you know, being inside and understanding, right? So there's, I guess there's certain things that you could glean from the outside looking in, right? You have to kind of understand, um, you know, how trainers work horses and do they work them fast? Do they work them slow? You know, what their sort of cadence is in terms of like what breeze is the important one? Is it the one right before the race? Is it the one, two before the race? All those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, perhaps you could look at his training pattern and, and glean some of that just from understanding how Ray trains horses first versus some other trainers. Um, but a lot of, you know, kind of what I've seen is just the day-to-day galloping, the energy level, um, the feedback from the exercise riders who get on these horses back every single day, you know, um, it's not just about the one time a week that they work, right. It's, it's the other, you know, five to six days of the week that they're galloping out there on the track and, you know, how do they feel? How are they moving? You know, those sorts of things. And, you know, the exercise riders can, can provide a lot of feedback on that. And, um, you know, uh, we're lucky with this horse um, and with a lot of our horses, you know, Katie rides a lot of our horses and she's very active in the, in the morning, Katie Davis. And so, you know, she'll get on these horses for the works. And so she's got like a really good, um, you know, understanding of how that horse felt in the race. And then, 
you know, how does he feel in the first work back? So it's a combination of, I guess, some stuff that you could glean from the outside looking in, but a lot of it's just, you know, kind of talking to the people that are on the horse's back every day and trying to get a better understanding of how he's reacted. How tough was he to pull up in that work? You know, maybe it wasn't how fast he went, but it was how, uh, you know, controlled and eager he was um, to keep going and things like that. So uh, he's just, he's just looks like a horse that, um, you know, understood his job after the first race. And I think he did everything right in that first race, except for win, you know, for winning, he chased horses. Well, he didn't back out of it from the inside. He split horses at the end, you know, things that older horses do that a lot of times younger horses will shy away from. So that combined with the fact that, you know, he seems to be, you know, really on it, um, post-race more so than he was going into it uh, is all a good sign. I do think ultimately this is a horse that, you know, wants to go further, um, in general. Um, but that's, you know, that's another thing. That's a tough thing to, 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 to do, right. You, you run uh, a debut race. Like he ran, he ran so well at 31 to one, he did it sprinting, you know, even though we thought, you know, he'd get better second time out, third time out, and he'd get better with distance. You know, do you go longer after he ran so, so well going short the first time, or, you know, do you not mess with something that's not broke at this point? Um, but I think, look, I think he's just rounding into form. Well, I think he'll improve off of his first race. Um, I think that, you know, there's no standout in this race, um, but there's certainly, you know, a lot of horses in here that could take, um, you know, either a step forward or could run very well first time out. Um, and look, if somebody pops a, a, an A effort for an open maiden special weight type, maybe he can't win. But, um, you know, he certainly should improve. And, he, and if he, you know, can kind of get into the mid to high 60s, you know, buyer range in this race with just sort of natural improvement, which we would expect, I think he's a contender. Yeah, for sure. And one other thing from the outside looking in that just makes it seem like this is a good candidate for improvement is just looking at Ray Handel's numbers historically. Um, he can win first time out for a long time. He hadn't had a first time out winner. That's changed. He's had six in the last couple of years, but still on his career as a trainer, only about 5% first out. That improves to 13% second out. Now, almost everybody's second numbers are better than their first numbers, just because obviously it's such a benefit for a horse to have a race. But to go from, you know, 5 to 13%, especially for a horse, nothing was expected first out, which you can glean from the 31 to 1. Uh, this is a horse that should should be competitive in here. Uh, any other thoughts on this race, or shall we uh, pivot to race number three? Yeah, why, why don't we pivot, but real quick, just on what you were just talking about, just because I think it's an interesting handicapping angle that, you know, maybe unless you're owning horses and being involved, you're, you're not thinking about quite as much. You know, Ray is not a good first out trainer. He's he's very easy on horses in the morning. So, um, you know, I think the reason that his horses don't win first time out is simply they're just not 100% race fit, whereas other trainers, you know, will be more aggressive about training their horses in the morning, and they'll have those horses 100% race fit. And so, you know, you're running a horse that's 80% fit against a horse that's 100% fit, the horse that's 100% fit has an advantage. Um, but that is a big advantage on dirt. It's much less so an advantage on turf, typically. Um, you know, on dirt, just in general, it's a war of attrition, right? And they're go, 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 go the whole time. And so if you're not fit and you're running on a surface that's more demanding, um, you know, you're at a, a, a bigger disadvantage than if you're running on a turf surface, which is less demanding just from a surface perspective. And usually the races are run, you know, quite differently. You, you kind of, you know, go along and then you accelerate at the end. A horse that's less fit typically will perform better first time on turf than they would on dirt. Um, and so I thought it was kind of crazy that this horse was 31 to one first time out. I think people looked at Ray Handel first time starter and they didn't factor in that this was a turf race. 
um, and not a dirt race. Um, not that he should have been, you know, three to one or anything like that, but um, I, I do think that it's easier on turf with trainers like Ray who maybe don't have them fully cranked. There's a lot of other trainers like that that are racing them in shape. If they start on turf, I, I give them a little bit of a better chance than I would on dirt just from a handicap. And, and something worthy of future or further exploration, whether you're using race lens or formulator, you can, that's an easy way to parse it. You know, you, usually the stat you just see is the one that I just read first time starters. But if you parse that dirt versus turf, you might find, you might find a little bit of signal. Let's move ahead though, to race number three here, where we're going six furlongs on the dirt. What do you think of your runner in this spot? Yeah, so so we bought this filly privately um, earlier this year. Um, she had had, an, had a nice uh, two and three year old year for Ray, and and we were very familiar with her being in the same barn. And um, you know, she came available to buy uh, you know fifty percent of her, and um, you know, we thought that that she was a filly that um, you know could win this you know second level allowance in New York, and hopefully maybe over the winter be like a an open one X type. Um, and you know, when we bought her, Ray had you know, said he always wanted to try her long, you know, it was a bit of an experiment experiment. And, um, you know, we had just bought into her. We, you know, it wasn't like we were into her for six months of training bills or anything like that. So we thought, okay, if we're going to take a shot going long, let's do it. Um, we did that on the first of June off a layoff and, you know, she just didn't want to go that far. Um, so it was a failed experiment. Um, but that, that's fine. Um, and then, you know, we wanted to run her back the beginning of July and she was fine physically, but the race didn't, that we needed to go, didn't go. And so we didn't end up running her until the third of August. Um, and so she was kind of off of another, you know, sort of mini layoff there. So this is really the first time, you know, in 2023, um, you know, if you don't count the 8th of January race, but this is the first time in 2023 that she's going to get to run not off of some form of layoff. Um, and I do think that she'll take a step forward off of that. She's trained well um, and she should be more fit. Um, and so from that standpoint, I think, you know, she could take a step forward, which makes her competitive in here. The other thing I like about her in this spot is I think that just the race setup favors her. Um, there's a good amount of speed, especially to her inside the four and the five horse, uh, specifically, maybe even the three, you know, Kali magic, um, you know, could be up and on the lead, you know, her last two dirt races, she has been on the lead. Um, you know, so I do think that, you know, this race has a good amount of pace. I love that we're drawn outside. And I love the fact that our filly has won her two races at this distance. And she's won both races, you know, with similar setups to what I think she gets today, which is, you know, she sits off of it and makes sort of first run. Um, so I, I give her a chance in here. I think she has to move forward, though. There's definitely some talented fillies in here. Um, but, you know, some of those fillies maybe have some question marks in terms of layoffs themselves. So, um, you know, I, I give us a chance. I think security code, it probably sets up well for her, you know, tactically. Um, and then obviously, you know, Callie Magic, who's the two to one morning line favorite, you know, her last rag figure was huge. She's run two big figures on dirt um, in her last three starts. Um, you know, if she can run back to her A races. Um, you know, we'd have to improve a lot to beat her. So, you know, I, I don't know that we can do that. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, she does have some question marks as it relates to the layoff and her work pattern. You know, she ran on the 23rd of June. She didn't work back for a month, you know, worked on the 23rd of July. And then, you know, he didn't work her back till the 19th of August. So just kind of, you know, a spotty work pattern out of that last race. So who knows how she's going to show up in here. She does drop in for a tag too. Maybe that's just, they want to win a race at Saratoga. Uh, or maybe that, you know, is indicative of her going the wrong way. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think we've got a shot in here just based on the setup. 
your horse in here, number the six runner for those uh, playing along at home. I'm going to let you do the name for me because I've pronounced this like six different ways in her in her uh, nine starts so far. Rebo's Valentine. It is Rebo. That's exactly what I would have guessed. That's exactly. I, I'm such a wimp that I didn't just say Rebo's Valentine. But what I like about her in this spot, and I agree, if the the, the two shows up, it, it'll be tricky. But I felt like that was spent a lot of time on a rail and stuck on okay on a rail that didn't look great to me last time on August third. So I was thinking there was a lot of reasons for improvement second start and and maybe getting uh, maybe getting a little bit of an upgrade from from what I just again didn't think was the right place on the track. How much do you look at at uh, at bias? as uh, in, as part of what you do in in evaluating these horses and do you agree with me that maybe that wasn't the right place to be that day no i do i do agree with you i think the rail was was sort of dead that day um you know i i look at it i'm not one of these people that like tries to assign a bias every day i mean to me it has to be you know quite significant for me to take you know full notice of it um, but it's certainly something that you have to factor in, you know, not just for handicapping, but also for, you know, where to spot horses, um, you know, because, uh, you know, we can move horses up and down the class ladder. And, you know, a lot of times that's going to just be based on how they perform. And if there's, you know, some sort of legitimate excuse for, you know, uh, maybe they, you know, uh, performed a little bit lower than, you know, you would have expected if that didn't exist, if it exists, if that bias didn't exist, you know, you have to factor that in. Um, you know, otherwise you're going to put horses, you know, uh, you know, in spots that maybe are too aggressive and they get claimed and, you know, you make a mistake that way. So you have to look yeah. at that kind of stuff. And I do agree that there was a bit of a, a dead rail that day uh, in general. So it's certainly, you know, one of the things, you know, amongst the others that I talked about before that make me optimistic that I think we'll at least get a better effort from her, her here, whether that's good enough, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's dependent on, you know, what happens with a couple of the horses that have run faster and how they run in this spot. Let's move to Saturday and let's head down to the Jersey shore. Got a couple of Adelphi runners in. Where should we go next? Uh, I guess we could start, start in race five, the stakes race, the violet uh, with community adjusted. If that works for you. Let's do it. Community adjusted uh, turning up here uh, it, for a trainer that uh, we don't always see you guys with. What, what can you tell us about, uh, about how this one ended up where she did? You actually give a lot of credit to uh, to Christophe Clement, who trained the filly prior to Arnaud Delacour uh, getting her. Um, you know, we had the filly with Christophe last year. Um, she she did well. She won a first level allowance at, at Belmont for us. She finished third, um, beating only a couple lengths in a second level allowance at Saratoga. She finished second in a second level allowance at Colonial later that summer. And then, um, you know, she had a, an off race, sort of her last race of the year um, at Aqueduct. Um, and when we decided that we were going to bring her back to the races for her five-year-old season, you know, we obviously wanted to give her a break over the winter as a turf horse. And, you know, we had a conversation with Christoph about her and, you know, Christoph thought sort of on two fronts. One, you know, he thought, you know, obviously in New York, you know, it's the toughest turf racing there is in the country is in New York. And so at that second level allowance condition, you know, he thought that she was kind of knocking on the door, but not a guarantee to win the race in New York. So his first thought was, you know, if you send her somewhere where you could run in the mid-Atlantic, um, you have a better chance of, you know, winning that 2X. Um, and then maybe, you know, from there, finding a small stake somewhere to get her black type um, for residual value from a pedigree perspective, because she has a pretty nice female family. She's a half to 
uh, a couple of stakes winners, a horse that finished third in the Belmont stakes. And, you know, so she's got some pedigree. Um, so he thought, you know, make it a little bit easier on her, maybe get her out of New York for her five-year-old campaign. And then she's also a filly that's got, you know, feet that sometimes bother. Nothing serious, but, you know, just they need to be managed. And, um, you know, Arno Delacour trains at Fair Hill. Fair Hill has a synthetic surface, um, which is really good to train on if you have a horse that has, you know, feet that aren't the best. Um, and so the combination, I think, of, you know, the optionality that you get from running out of Fairhill in terms of being able to run in different mid-Atlantic tracks and, you know, running her at places that aren't as tough as New York, where you're going to face, you know, two Kristoffs and two Chads and two, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, that combined with, you know, just making it a little bit easier on her feet in the mornings um, by, you know, being able to gallop her every day and work her over the synthetic, um, you know, really made a lot of sense. Um, and then Arnaud was a assistant of Kristoff's. Uh, for a long time before he went out on his own and, you know, a very similar program. So it offered us the opportunity to move the horse into a new barn without sort of changing everything up on her. Um, yep. And so it really, really made a lot of sense. We've actually moved another horse that had some similar, you know, sort of feet issues um, actually hasn't started yet, but um, we moved another horse like that to Arnold as well. So it's, 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 uh, it's something that worked out well for us. And I give Kristoff a lot of credit, you know, um, a lot of trainers would just, you know, want to keep horses in their barn and, and, that would be what it is. But, you know, he's, he's very good about, you know, providing, you know, the best feedback that he could provide in terms of what's best for the horse. That's terrific. And I'm a big fan of the Delacour operation and have been for, have been for a very long time. What do you think of community adjusted chances in this spot? Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I think there's definitely a couple of horses in here that probably have a better chance than her on paper. Um, but I do think that she has some chance to win a race like this. Um, you know, she ran very good first off the layoff in that second level allowance at Pimlico. Um, and I thought she ran very well last time at Laurel. Um, she did get checked pretty badly in the stretch. I think, you know, she certainly wasn't going to beat Sparkle Blue, who I think is a pretty nice horse for Grand Motion, but she probably would have been pretty close to Atomic Blonde in there if she didn't check, if you go and watch the replay. And, you know, look, if I think if you put Atomic Blonde in a race like this, she would look very good. Um, so I, you know, I give her an outside chance to, to, to win a race like this. I think she's certainly live to hit the board. Um, you know, when I looked at the race in general, I thought, uh, boat cachet, uh, speaking of pronouncing horses names, I'm, I'm hoping that's right. Um, I, I think this horse is very nice. I, 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 I don't think she's run quite as well in the last two races since she got to America as uh, I expected, just based on what I had seen of her in the mornings. Um, and certainly how she's gotten bet in those races. Um, but I think, you know, on paper, she's still probably the best horse in this race in general. And she, I think, sits a good trip here. I think there's enough pace. She'll probably get first run along with our horse. Um, and she has, you know, more turn of foot than we do. So I would give her, you know, probably the best chance to win this race. And then, you know, honestly, you know, Chad probably has uh, the other horse that's logical in here. If, if there's, you know, if the pace is really on, you know, Veronica Green could maybe pick up uh, the pieces. So those would be the two I'm probably most concerned with. Um, you know, Miss Carol Ann, obviously a nice horse. I'm curious if that horse wants to go this far, um, you know, being by Kingman, um, you know, my sense is maybe, you know, shorter uh, than the mile and a 16th here is a little bit better for that one. Um, so at least I'm hoping that. Um, and, you know, uh, this obviously, uh, you know, is the mile and a 16th distance. So I, I'd be a little against that one, just from a distance perspective, I probably would lead on the chads and, and us, um, if I was betting it. When you enter a spot like this, I mean, or, or, and, or are giving like instructions to the rider is, is the rider, I mean, the rider and trainer must be aware that this isn't a win 
let's put it this way. There's certain races where I suppose it's win or bust, right? You do everything you're, you're, you're in it. To, it's not like you're not in it to win it here, but the opportunity to run in the money and improve your value by becoming then a multi stakes place Philly. Is that, is that a thing? I mean, maybe it's more, maybe that's more of a question if you're running in a graded stake and you don't have any graded stake black type, but how does it affect it with a Philly particularly when you're, when you're running in a, in a stake? I think you, I didn't ask this question very well, but I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, it definitely plays a role. I would say in this race for us, it's probably less important just because we checked that stakes placed black type, you know, uh, uh-huh. box last time. And, and honestly winning a race like this would have a much bigger impact for us, yeah. even though both are, you know, hundred thousand dollar listed stakes. If, if we can somehow become a stakes Stake winner and get that bold black, you know, black type, yeah. Um, yeah. For the Philly, that's that's where the big increase in residual would come into play. But certainly, to your point, like going into the last race, you know, look as a five-year-old mare, you know, running a race in July of her five-year-old year, you know, we're running out of time, right? Yeah. So you you've got to make those races count. And so you know, her, you know, winning the big Dreyfus uh, versus uh, you know finishing third, you know, by finishing third, she honestly probably made more money in total. Um, you know, then, then if, you know, she just won that person, it wasn't a stakes race, yeah. um, because of the value that she gets, you know, residually as a broodmare. So it was really important in that spot to hit the board. And she did. Now we can be a little bit more aggressive, um, yeah. you know, and, 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 and try to earn some purse money and try to win some races, um, because we've checked that box. Now there, there was a, there was a hot second yesterday where we considered running this Philly in the flower bowl. Um, at the Flower Bowl in New York, obviously grade two, and they only ended up with four horses in there. And you better believe if we ended up in the Flower Bowl and not this race, you know, if we, if we were the fourth horse, um, we would probably be running to try to finish third, you know, yeah. and, and not win the race. Might be a little different in that case. Yeah. So, so to your point, that, that does play a role, um, you know, a good amount of the time with, with these kinds of fillies, especially ones that are, you know, you've got limited opportunities to do it, maybe because they're older uh, or they've got some soundness issues or whatever. Um, and you know where you can make a big difference from a, a residual standpoint. Well, you've got the right rider for a for a winner or bust with with Paco Lopez in the irons here. He he's definitely he's definitely extremely competitive, and the guy I would count on to give yourself the best chance to win, not necessarily the best chance to hit the board. We'll we'll be watching with great interest. Hopefully, community adjusted can put in a big performance in the, the stake at Monmouth in the fifth race. Let's move ahead. To our final race we're going to talk about on this show, Mammoth's eighth race on Saturday, where we've got Phillies and Mares going in an allowance race, six furlongs on the dirt. Talk us through this one. Yeah, we actually have two entered in this one. We've got Royal Poppy on the rail with Ray Handel, and then we have uh, Ziarati with Rob Falcone uh, in the three hole. Um, I, I, I think we, you know, we drew into a really nice race here. I mean, it, it, this is a race that they wrote for like a week and a half ago. Um, for straight three-year-olds, it didn't go, you know, many days in a row. They brought it back finally and and made it a three-plus race. Um, and then they ended up using it, getting a couple of extra horses in there. Um, I, I think the race came up very good for us. Um, I think with Royal Poppy, she's an interesting filly. Um, we actually bought her privately um, right before she broke her maiden in December at Aqueduct. Um, so we look very smart, you know, buying her off the, the November 20th race. And then, you know, she came back and she won very impressively and earned a 72 buyer um, back in December. Um, we ran her right back in the Ruthless in early February. And she looked like she was ranging up to run a big race. And then she faded down the stretch there. 
Um, probably a combination of being a little bit too far, but she also had a little issue out of that race uh, as well. Um, and so we gave her a little bit of time. She came back off the layoff and she ran in a, a really weird race at Belmont. That was the race that Begin talk about pronouncing horses names. I don't know if it's Begin or Begin. I never remember that. Begin, I think. Begin. All right. So that, that was the race that Begin won by almost 10. She kind of sucked up for second in there and she got a 70 buyer speed figure. So, you know, out of that race, we felt pretty good about her. You know, you never know when a horse comes off a layoff, how they're going to be. And, you know, you're always worried about that. And so, you know, she got beat a lot, but she passed you know, the rest of the horses in the field and they did give her a 70 figure, but you know, you always wonder, is that a 70 just because the, the winner got such a high figure that, you know, the math works out like, was that a legitimate 70 or was that more of a suck up 70? Right. And, um, you know, when she ran back in, in June, she, she, she put in a clunker and she ran a 57. And so, you know, the question I guess that we have with this Philly right now and, and out of that race was, you know, did she just not come back the same Philly she left, you know, when she had the little issue coming out of the ruthless, um, and you know, we had two options with her. We could either drop her here at Saratoga. Um, you know, we, we didn't want to run her in a, an open one X here in Saratoga where it gets really tough. Um, but we could have dropped her or, you know, we could have run her out of town. Like we are try to make it a little bit easier on her. Um, and you know, this time for the first time off of that break, you know, after the ruthless, you know, we're going to send her. Um, and you know, she seems to do her best running, you know, on or near the lead. And, you know, hopefully, you know, she, she's, she could be a little bit more forward in here. She gets a little bit of a class, uh, you know, step down here. Um, you know, we're hoping to see her run back to her, her major races. If she runs back to her a races, she could, she could win a race like this. Um, and, you know, usually I don't love drawing the rail, but, you know, with a filly like this, it's going to go as long as she breaks. Um, I feel pretty good about, um, you know, about her running, but she, she's, She's she's very much a question mark because it's still, you know, is it has she come back the same Philly that that she was, you know, in the in the fall of last year? Um, And then our other Philly Ziarati is kind of equally confusing. You know, she had a phenomenal debut um, back in January at Aqueduct. She earned an 83 buyer speed figure that day. She won by eight. Um, She beat a horse. Uh, promise her America that uh, Ray has that ultimately won the gazelle and uh, ran in the Kentucky Oaks. She beat that Philly by eight plus lengths in that, in that maiden breaker. And, you know, you thought the sky's the limit there with the pedigree into mischief and a Munnings mare and whatnot. And, and then she, she just kind of never moved forward off of that in her next two starts in the busher and in that allowance at Keeneland. Um, and then, you know, Rob gave her a little bit of time, ran her back at Monmouth, sort of a similar angle to Royal Poppy, you know, just try to make it a little easier on her, try to get the confidence up. Cause with this Philly, I don't think it's, it's ability. It's, it's her figuring out what racing's all about and that sort of thing. Um, and she ran really well. I thought two back, you know, she beat a Philly yesterday who came back to win uh, her next race and then ran second in a $200,000 stakes at parks last out. Um, you know, and, and we didn't get the best of trips that day. And, and I, I thought we were kind of back on track with her. Um, and then last time, you know, we tried to send her, um, you know, from the inside and, you know, the jock just had to use a little too much of her early on. And she just, you know, didn't last at the end, you know, and, and it looks bad on paper. She regressed to a 60, she got beat nine plus lengths. Um, but the, the other two horses she was dueling with in that race finished last and second to last. So she did at least kick on to hold third, um, in there. Um, so a little bit of a minor, you know, victory there. Um, I love the fact that Rob's put Maddie uh, Oliver on on her. Maddie's ridden her a lot in the mornings up in New York over the winter. Knows the filly well. I like that the blinkers are off. I don't expect her to like go this time like she did last time. I think she'll sit off and make one run. 
Um, I think she's drawn well. And look, I think if either of our Phillies run their A races, they've got a good chance to win. I think this field's not, you know, not the best. Um, you know, so from that standpoint, um, I, I like our chances. When you are entered with two in a race like this, and maybe this is a sensitive question, I don't know, but do you ever, how much do you discuss the idea of team tactics? You know, obviously horses with the same ownership, you know, the last thing you'd expect as a horse player is to see those two duel, but how does that get communicated? Does that get communicated? Is it sort of unsaid? Uh, what do you, I mean, yeah. I've been accused by JK as recently as, uh, as the, the sword dancer of being a conspiracy theorist about this, where you saw, you know, that there are two horses in the race with the Coolmore ownership. And it looked for all the world to me, like the one was, I don't want to say a pace setter, because maybe they thought that was their best chance to win. But, but it did seem clearly that the tactics were coordinated in, in a certain way. How do you approach the idea of team tactics when you have the, the, the when you have one, uh, when you have two in the same race? Yeah, I mean, look, I would say first and foremost, it's probably a different conversation if they're two with the same trainer, right? Um, you know, in in the case of this race, obviously, we have two different trainers for the two different horses. Um, you know, I, I'm I, it's not my style, um, you know, to tell trainers what to do, right? Um, so what I would say is it relates to this specific race. Um, I, I'm certainly aware of it, right? So when I know that, you know, hey, we're going to point you know, Royal Poppy to this race. And I know that Rob was pointing Ziarati back to this race. You know, I'm at least going to look at it and be like, Hey, do I have two need the lead types? That probably isn't going to make sense. And, you know, at that point I'd probably would have a conversation, you know, with the trainers and say, Hey, you know, I, I don't want to compromise either of you, you know, maybe let's find another spot for one of these horses. Um, but, you know, looking at this race and looking at what happened with Ziarati last time when, when she tried to go, right, that was the, the plan um, and it didn't work out. Um, you know, I had a high degree of confidence from talking to Rob after that race that, you know, we're probably not going to try that tactic again. Um, and then I knew talking to Ray that, you know, Royal Poppy hadn't broken well and hadn't really been up and near the lead in her two starts since she had the layoff. And that was her style back in the day. I knew that Ray wanted to get her back to that in her next start. So, you know, kind of knew that, Royal Poppy was going to be one that was going to get sent um, and that Ziarati probably was going to be one that wasn't going to get sent. So, you know, from my perspective as an owner of both horses, you know, at least then I know they're not going to kill each other. Um, right. And, and, and as long as that's the case, then I'm comfortable running the two horses in the same race. If, you know, that's where the trainers think that, you know, makes the most sense for each of the horses. And then look, it just so happens. I think, you know, we got lucky with the one that's going to go. She ended up drawing the rail um, you know, it, it could have been the opposite, opposite way, I guess. Um, and that would have made it a little bit more complex, but you know, I kind of more of a, you know, not to not answer your question, but less of a, like, Hey, here's what I want you to do with each of these horses. And more of a, like, just make sure I'm not putting two horses in the same race. that are going to kill each other. That's yeah. what I'm more concerned about, especially when it's two trainers, like, you know, they know what to do. They know what they want to do with the horses. You know, I'm going to let them make those decisions. I just want to make sure they're both not coming to the same conclusion with my two horses in the same race. That makes sense. <laughs> It makes absolute sense. Well, it's so great, Matt, to get your insights on on all that uh, that goes into this. It's such a pleasure to have you on, and we'll have to do something like this again soon. Any closing thoughts before I let you get out of here? No, I appreciate you having me on again, and and hopefully, um, you know, through these kinds of conversations and just kind of hearing more about what goes into you know why we enter horses in certain races and tactics and things like that. Hopefully, that's you know, helpful on the, uh, on the handicapping side, you know, like I said before, I, I do think, you know, that, 
there's an underrated aspect to handicapping around, you know, race placement and, and, and why trainers are doing certain things and how, you know, trainers programs work and how that, you know, impacts how horses are going to run in specific spots and all those sorts of things. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting part of the game. And I think, you know, our partners, um, you know, especially because we do try to communicate so much, hopefully they glean a lot from that, that helps them in their handicapping. So, you know, hopefully for the people here who, who, you know, are interested maybe in owning racehorses, um, you know, would obviously love to talk to, to any of you. And hopefully for those of you who are just in, in it for the handicapping, um, you know, hopefully some of the insights and stuff like that around, you know, why we do certain things and how we do certain things. Hopefully it's helpful, you know, as you try to try to pick winners moving forward. There's so many reasons to do it, to be part of the club, to have these fun experiences, to learn and improve your, your horse playing at the top of the list for me, to learn more at DelphiRacing.com. And Matt, people can reach out to you directly as well. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so you can go to our website, which is AdelphiRacing.com, or you can email me directly at Matt, M-A-T-T, at AdelphiRacing.com. Fantastic stuff. Godspeed this weekend. We'll have you on again soon. This show just scratches the surface, really, of the, the amount of communication and knowledge you can get when you're part of the Adelphi Racing Club. And as I always say, I don't just read ads for Adelphi. I'm also a member of the of the extended family and looking forward to re-upping based on the fantastic first year I've had in that position. All right, Matt, we will be talking to you soon. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos. <laughs>